again, welcome back to our live stream from Genesis Gathering. I'm Jeff, I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis Gathering, and it's good to have all of you with us in the service this morning. And for those of you watching, again, there's still time for you to share this link with others. My wife is coming, and we're going to, uh, uh, together, we're going to administrate this time of Q&A. And really what it is, we pose a question or two, and then we invite you to respond here in the sanctuary, as well as those of you watching by live stream. Here's how that works. You can text your answer or your response to 720-878-3323 or you can fill out the contact form. It's on our website. Scroll to the bottom of the homepage and click on contact us, all right? That'll take you right to a form where you just submit your name. We don't need any other information and whatever, however you're responding to the question that's been posed, okay? Also, you could put it in the face chat, Facebook chat window. We're monitoring all of those things. In fact, honey, if you'll monitor the Facebook chat and, the, uh, and obviously the text, and I'll monitor the uh, website form. How about that? Okay, yes, they can oh. hear me. Yes, they can hear me. Yes, they can hear well, me. Well, and so your mic wasn't Thanks, on when... Folks. Yeah, the mic wasn't on when we were explaining that uh, a number is, of... Yes, that Carrie is well, pinch hitting Carrie for is us, pinch hitting and for we're us. thankful for Carrie. And so, but he's the only one back yes. there. And so our entire media team is out with COVID. So uh, we've been in communication with them. Uh, we've talked, my own daughter, Lisa, has it, but her husband doesn't. Lewis and Carol have it, but the kids don't. Carol's in Florida. So this has just been a week. Um, everybody is doing well uh, as of this Bob morning. And yeah. Bob and Debbie have turned, Bob and Debbie, they, they uh, sing as well as work the sound booth. They've turned the corner. They really feel like they're on the backside of it. So we're getting good reports. Yes. Thank you. We enjoy yes. your prayer. Um, we take it very seriously. And uh, I'll just put in a personal note. I think this is why everyone, regardless of your level of faith, and these are people of great faith. And we've done all that's necessary. I mean, our daughter, I can speak for her, she, you know, does the hand washing and the distancing and the mask wearing and has been very, very conscientious. And, and yet, so it's possible to get it. And these people are all vaccinated, by the yeah, way. Lisa so. Lisa told me this morning, just pray that her hands don't fall off because she's having to wash them so much right now. <laughs> so... Uh, it can happen, and, and I'm just encouraging all of you to seriously consider the vaccination, all right? If you get peace in your heart, other than a medical condition that you've been advised against it, please consider it seriously. I think all of these people have been that have it on our team, and they're making their way through it in a much different way than so many that we've heard that weren't vaccinated. We've had some friends pass away, the best man of my wedding passed away, so on and so forth. We're not trying to scare you into the vaccination. We're asking you to use wisdom and to seriously consider uh, what you do in that way. All right, so our question for this morning. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Carrie, after all that. You just have doing a splendid job. Here's our question, and actually it's two-part. Number one, what specific forms of rituals did you grow up learning as vital to faith? And secondly, are there any rituals that if eliminated, you would feel cut off from meaningful worship? All right. 
Go ahead and begin to text your response. There aren't right and wrong answers, all right? You're not going to be put on the spot. If you're responding here in the sanctuary, we'll bring you the microphone, or you can also text your answers. So what specific forms or rituals did you grow up learning as vital to faith? Were there some specific rituals you were taught that was important to your faith? And then are there any rituals that if you eliminated them today, you would actually feel cut off from meaningful worship if you didn't follow through on those rituals? Anybody here have anything they want to say? I have one here. from Jack or Kathy Randolph, I'm not sure which of these folks, but she said, Go, I, I have a feeling this is Kathy, going to confession was a ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so Barb, don't read the Bible. What does that mean? I don't, you're going to have to explain that more thoroughly. I'm not sure if you're trying to say, I'm not sure what you're trying to say, Barb. Try, try, to, try to reword that one. And uh, hi, Nancy, glad to see you. And uh, so let me see. Okay, great. Anybody here? Any rituals that you grew up learning as vital to faith? You didn't have any rituals growing up? I'm thinking about, I don't know that it was vital to faith, but of course you folded your hands to pray. Keep that real close. You fold, and you knelt. Yes. You knelt by, and often, you know, kind of the the picture of kneeling by your bed and and praying. I don't know that that was. There was something about the posture in prayer that was important to yeah. uh, feeling the presence of God. To or, or praying, just plain old praying. To praying. I mean, I don't think I was taught to feel the presence of God. In my, my growing up, there, there just is God. I wasn't yeah. taught anything about feeling the presence of God. Well, for me, what it was, was I, I wasn't taught to feel the presence of God as I watched people who did certain things with their body, their hands, how loud they got with their voice, I interpreted that as, because then that, cresci- that would crescendo and it would rise and people would get more excited and more emotional. And of course, that was attributed to the presence of God. It may or may not have been, but here was my takeaway. If I do those things, I will experience the presence of God. If I do those things that way, God's power will come. So I don't know about everybody else, but for me, certain forms and rituals were very, very important to getting God's attention. Okay. Uh, So Barb has explained her uh, when she said, don't read the Bible. What she was saying was, we were told only the priest read the Bible. Ah, yeah. Okay. Well, then Nancy says Catholic rituals, which would be what Barb is speaking of, um, that it was the priest who read the Bible and understood the Bible. For instance, um, I, and confession that Kathy Randolph or Jack Randolph had talked about going to confession. I'm sure that was part of what Nancy's referring to. Mm-hmm. And she says she doesn't any longer, uh, Nancy says she doesn't any longer believe in those rituals. So I'm not sure what all rituals in the Catholic faith that you feel like is are no longer appropriate. But thank you, Nancy. Feel free to it. comment. I mean, if there's yeah. something in specific, specifically, and, and, and it's not, we're not here to put down any particular mm-hmm. religion yeah. or denomination or individual that practices their faith in the ways that might be spoken of or highlighted. What we're trying to point out and get to the bottom of is whether for you certain forms, certain rituals, certain practices were important to you discerning that you were alive in God, that you had strong 
strong faith that you could feel his presence, that, that answers to prayer would come. And then if those who were done away with suddenly and eliminated from your life, would you feel then like faith had been removed from you? Would you feel like maybe you couldn't get answers to prayer as effectively? This is where I'm going with these two questions. You know, in some way, you know, I think we don't even realize we have our own rituals right here. Oh, of course. Yeah, so our order of service is pretty much the same every week. Isn't that considered kind of a ritual. Now, we Absolutely. may know that we're free to change that, right. but still, if we do it this way every week and someone walks in and say, this is how we do it every week, it can become a ritual. So every, every religion has rituals, you understand? Every faith has its own set of rituals. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, all so, of that. Anybody here? Anything that you all want to add? The question is streaming along the bottom for all of you that need a refresh on what the question is. And please text us, 720-878-3323 if you'd like to respond or put it into the chat window of Facebook. So going to church was my ritual. Oh, sure. And this is the first time back in over 18 months. Okay. And it's been very, very difficult at home watching TV mm -hmm. on, you know, eating breakfast, watching the preacher. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, not the level of worship or fellowship for sure. It's been very difficult. Sure. Interesting, very interesting. You know, that really, that's huge because again, we're, why do we go to church, right? So is it only a ritual? Because, you know, ritual kind of has a, well, can have a negative connotation. Okay, so is it only a ritual that we come to church, or do we come to church because we love God and we want to worship him along with others? We want to have the encouragement of the fellowship. We want to be part of encouraging others in the fellowship and in the body of Christ. You know, what is our reason for going to church? Is it only a ritual? It's kind of ritualistic if we go every Sunday. But is it only a ritual or does it carry particular meaning to us why we go? Are we fulfilling an ob I'm really going on with this for a while. Are we fulfilling only an obligation? Well, you know, I think some Sundays we might only be fulfilling an obligation. And other that's, Sundays it has, well, I'm going absolutely. because, yeah, you know, let's just be real. So, oh, well, anyway, thank you for that. If you have never not wanted to go to church on a Sunday when Ooh. you were supposed quote, supposed to go to church and supposed to be there, something's wrong with your head. <laughs> You're in denial. <laughs> it's like a couple of weeks ago during one of our messages, I said that our relationship with, with the Lord in prayer should be so real and so honest that there's times I don't want to pray. And I found myself a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, Lord, I don't want to pray right now. Now, before I would have gotten under a lot of condemnation regarding that, all right? Feeling driven and obligatory. And I feel like I heard the Lord say to me, well, don't. I'm, I'm with you in this feeling and moment as well as when you're on your knees, folded hands, praying, or whatever your practice is, all right? So what we need to do is remove the dualism of we go to church to get God. We fold our hands, we pray, we open our Bible to get God, 
to get his approval. And over here is our secular life, our job, our friends, the things we have to do there. And oh, I don't like that. So I'm going to get, as soon as I can get away from that and get back to church, that's a dualism. That, that's not even recognizing the fact that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit and he lives in, in me. And that prayer is not an obligation, it's a life-giving relationship and fellowship with the creator of the universe. And he's there in every moment. Yes, and I think, again, that's what Cindy then was saying for her. Mm -hmm. Church is not so much ritualistic. She missed the meaningful parts Absolutely. of being here and being in a that's amongst really believers good. and worshiping together. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Because it's life-giving. So, okay, so Kathy says that um, uh, uh, as far as rituals that she used to uh, practice was not eating before taking communion. Boy, I have forgotten about that. Wow. And kneeling would be one of them, mm -hmm. and, be, and, and being super reverent. Like, and I must admit, we're kind of super non-reverent around here, but being super reverent. <laughs> and so, <laughs> thank you, Kathy. Those, are, those, those things are, have another place, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't received anything through the website That's yet. That's because they like me better than you. They do. I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> Okay, so the second question, what was that one? <laughs> Come stand, stay over here. I couldn't hear. I need help. No, I. Christina, one more time. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you, Christina. Oh my goodness. We oh, love my goodness. you too. That was very nice. One of the church members said, "We because we like you equally." She's a good person. <laughs> um, okay. All right, anything? What was the second question again? I wanted to review that one more time. Are there rituals that if you eliminated them, you would feel cut off from meaningful worship? Anybody? Okay. You know, I remember someone in your family, we'll put it that way. Uh, in my family? Mm -hmm. Who used to talk about kneeling to pray. Okay. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember that. And how important it was to kneel to pray. So mm. for him to not kneel to pray, he would have felt separated mm -hmm. from meaningful mm. worship. So, you know, it's not that you don't, you don't ever have, don't ever kneel to pray. That's not the, if you feel like you should kneel to pray, then kneel to pray. Yeah. You know, if you feel like you should sit to pray, if you feel like you should stand to pray or on and on, it's all, it's all okay to do. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. I've unless anybody else it in seems here. Seems to be. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, hon. Well, everyone, here we go. This is lesson number five in our series, Unprayer. And I've titled this morning's lesson, Freedom from Religious Form. Or an and freedom to observe ritual and form. You're going to learn that it's not all bad. In fact, it can be very life-giving just as well. All right, so our, our big idea during our, our series has been this, to awaken your mind to your oneness with God's love and nature so prayer becomes a life-giving, transformational experience for you and for others. So I really want to, and especially in this message today, awaken you in prayer. I, wa I want to awaken you to new possibilities. So prayer is not getting from God. Prayer is 
getting God. You understand that? That there's a difference between getting God and getting from God. So we're actually going to explore the practice of liturgy today. Um, that's not the only thing that the message is about, but I'm, I'm going to dive into that and give you some insights into the importance of liturgy. Here's a couple of things that I am not saying during this series. I am not saying that structured prayer isn't important. I believe it is. And so I've made the comment in previous messages that I don't have a specific quiet time every day. If you do though, I said, keep it by all means. Now that's not, that doesn't suggest one is better than the other or that I'm more spiritual or mature. It is my practice. It, it is my relationship with Christ that has allowed that. And yet I find myself praying more than I have ever prayed because of the freedom I have found in this subject that I've entitled unprayer. I am not saying that praying with an expectant heart is useless. We do need to pray and believe. I'm not saying that prayer that moves you emotionally is immature or suspect. In fact, I believe God's presence does envelop our emotions and does move us emotionally oftentimes it's not where you should put your trust or your confidence but your emotions will be moved by God's love and God's presence I am not saying that asking God in prayer is wrong or unnecessary I do not want you to take that from this series entitled Unprayer. So go back through the messages and listen carefully to the things that we're saying about prayer. So once again, today, I want to awaken you to new possibilities in prayer. I'm going to do something right now that I've not done in this manner for a long time. I'm going to read quite an extensive volume of scripture. It will be on the screen. I ask all of you, especially you that are watching by live stream, to do your best to pay attention, watch the screen, or get your device, better yet, get a second device, maybe your Bibles physically, and let's look together at these passages of Scripture. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 18. That's where I'll start reading Colossians. It's the second chapter of Colossians. I'll read through to verse 23, starting in verse 18. So do not let anyone who tries to act as an umpire of your devotion insist on his own opinion, confined to a mind inflated by the sensational and spooky. His so-called visions are just a puff of hot air. Now, here is the Message Bible's rendering of that. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow, to scrape, in order to improve your standing with God, insisting that you join their obsession with angels or that you seek out visions. They're a lot of hot air. That's all they are. <laughs> That's an interesting take on verse 18. Verse 19. Such religious jargon is completely out of rhythm with the head. You are directly connected to Christ, who, like a choir director, draws out the music in everyone like a tapestry of art that intertwines in harmony to reveal the full stature of divine inspiration. If it is true that you were included in Christ's death, 
then the religious systems of this world, with its rules and regulations, no longer apply to you. What further relevance would there be for you to continue to live under the influence of man-made doctrines and ideas? Religious tradition appears to be very devout and its followers seem to be also humble and holy in their strict observance of rules that seek to control the behavior of their body. The only problem with this is that the flesh is never permanently satisfied. Here is, again, the message translation of those same verses, 19 through 23. They com- they're completely out of touch with the source of life. Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flows through us. He is the head and we are the body. We can grow up in... He- We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. So then, if with Christ you've you've put all that pretentious and infantile religion behind you, why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't go near this. Do you think things that are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? Such things sound impressive if said in a deep voice. They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and ascetic. Interesting. Now, here's Jesus' take on this whole practice of allowing yourself to be ruled by form rather than formation, by religion rather than relationship. Here's his words. Luke chapter 11, verse 39 through 41. What surprises me, said Jesus, is that you Pharisees are more concerned about cleaning the outside of the cup or dish while the entire inside remains full of violent greed and sly schemes of oppressing people with painful and wearisome religious rules and obligations. This is why I tread very lightly and think we should be very careful about taking our Christianity and combining it with nationalism and equating favor of God, approval of God on things that are going on nationally. Be very careful with that, all right? Because it's one thing to look like all of this is God and it's all his favor and he's for the various things and movements that are going on, the schemes, and yet our heart is dark and full of violent greed. Verse 40, oh how foolish, don't you understand that he who designed the outer physical person is also the architect and creator of the inner person? So here's the secret. Now if you've gotten nothing else from what we've read thus far, please tune in. Here is the secret. By living from inner compassion and tenderness towards others, you will be surprised to see your entire person is cleansed. The inner life cleanses the outer. See, it's what comes out of a man, Jesus said, not what goes into him. So in other words, 
all of the observances of what you eat and how you pray and how loud you get in prayer and whether you kneel or not and all of those external things, those don't change the heart. It is what comes out of the heart that really speaks to the relationship that one has with Jesus. I'll say it to you this way. Anything we fashion or practice in order to gain God's approval or get his attention when praying is a religious bondage. What do I mean? Oh, certain body posture, voice volume, a holy location, function and form to get things done rather than in worship to be formed by those things. See, prayer isn't something we do to get. Prayer is something I do for him to get me, to be formed by him. Religion, focused on form, uses prayer as a tool to get, to accomplish, to arrive, to achieve. Unprayer focuses on spiritual formation, experiences, It experiences prayer as fellowship which sees God and expresses love for him in adoration. So let's get an overall view of what worship is because prayer is actually part of, of worship and worship is part of prayer. Through worship, or I should say though worship is mostly associated with spiritual activities of the church or a congregation, congregational member, It is incorrectly believed to be something the congregation experiences instead of what it collectively creates and lives. Most people go to church to get something to happen to them. They want to experience something. Worship, rather, should be something we all do communally to experience Christ and then to take that love to the rest of the world, to the people around us, to our family members, to those that we work with. The beauty of liturgy is that it helps explain structures of worship, the actions and words that we use to celebrate communal activity, and even it provides help and guidance for the spiritual formation of our hearts through prayer. So the purpose of prayer is to be formed, not to get. The purpose of worship is to have community together where we influence those around us with a message of hope, not in order to convict them of sin so that hopefully they will come to our church and believe like we do. I love what Brian Zahn said, you are what you pray. (laughs) All right, so here's some definitions. Liturgy. Typically in Christianity, the term liturgy normally refers to a standardized order of events observed during a religious service, be it sacramental service or a service of public prayer. But more literally, It means the people's work 
what we do in prayer. There's, there's many things about, quote, worship or a church service or attending church that you don't get to do. It's kind of, you come here, we worship together, and then the rest of it is sort of what the ministers do to you. How we preach, what, what we encourage you with, you know, if we can get you excited about serving the Lord, challenge you in your life to walk with Him. It, it's sort of about something that it gets me to do, which is interesting. You're paying attention, everybody. Right? You're listening to me. Because this is absolutely going to change the way that you worship. So, liturgy, though, the beauty of liturgy is that's the people's work. When we liturgize together in a service, prayer, it's something all of us are participating in. And it's forming us. And then we go out and we can be influential in the lives of others who need hope and who need love. The Greek word actually means, get this, work of the people. Work of the people. So Brian Zahn says this. Liturgy is neither dead or alive. It's either true or false. What's alive or dead is the person who's praying. I don't know how many times I've heard, oh, that liturgy stuff. I would never go to a church that does that because that's just dead. I used to think that way. I used to believe that way. Those churches that practice liturgy, they're just not as spiritual. They're not as full of the Holy Spirit. That's just dead practice. No, you've put it in the wrong category. Liturgy is neither alive or dead. It's true or it's false. And, and see what happens then in true liturgy. When you take liturgy that's true and you combine it with a person who's alive, that equals capacity for spiritual formation. That's what I love about liturgy. So its purpose, watch this now, the purpose of a liturgy, in other words, prescribed prayers, prayers that we would pray in common, prayers that would have some sort of standard to them, sort of structured prayer. And it's not the only way you can pray. We're not saying change everything you're doing, shift everything you're doing to liturgical prayer. I, for most of us as non-denominational Christians, am bringing into our life and freedoms of prayer and freedoms from form, the beautiful aspect and power of liturgical prayer. The purpose is to get us outside of our own biases, our own toxicity, our own anxieties, our own pathology. You say, Pastor Jeff, I don't have any pathology. I'm not, I'm not weird. I'm not strange. Yes, you are. I am too. We all have pathology. We all have some nuances about ourselves that we'd rather people not know, right? And if truth be known, we would live to ourselves a very selfish life, not including others. I know some of you are very people-oriented and you live and breathe being around people and so forth. I don't know that that's average. I, I don't think that that's even average. I know there was a time for me that I would tell people, I'd tell my wife and my family, give me my computer and a room. That's all I need. <laughs> I had to learn to be loving. I had, I, need, I, I had to learn through 
through prayer and through reading scripture and through being around others, how to love outside of myself and stop being so biased and stop being so anxious and stop being full of toxicity which didn't allow others to be. And, and really, you cannot have a mature communion with God outside of a free-flowing communion with the body, Jesus' body. Oh, I understand the criticism. Well, it's just so repetitive. It just People who do liturgy prayers, they just say it over and over and over again. I know, I understand the criticism. Could I draw your attention to something? Did you know that in the world of music, all of the really major hits that are chart toppers are hits that repetitiously repeat the same phrase, sometimes the same word, over and over and over again in the song. I mean some of the great big ones, and they've lasted forever. You sing them from the radio today when you hear them come on, you know the words, and other songs have since been retired. Let it be by the Beatles. Let it be, let it be. Do you know that's sung like 39 different times in that song, let it be? How about Halo by Beyonce? Oh, very popular. Lovely Day by Bill Winston. Lovely Day. How about Truly by, by uh, uh, Lionel Richie? Oh, it's sung over and over and over again. The same word, truly. You know, over and over. And it's one of my favorites. I will turn on that song before I'll turn on many, many, many other songs that I know and have learned. How about Megan Trainer's newer song, All That Bass? If, if you've heard All That Bass, you know, she just repeats some of the same words over and over and it's got that bass beat to it. And these are crazy popular songs. And so what, what's interesting is that you sing those songs repetitiously. You turn up the volume and you repeat the words repetitiously and you know them by heart and yet you poo-poo and you put down and you make light of liturgical prayer. Why? Because it has the same power, by the way. Understand, it has the same power to form you once it gets down on the inside of you through that repetitious praying. Let me give you a scripture on that. Joshua chapter 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you will meditate on it day and night. That word meditate in the Hebrew means to chew the cud. Camels, cattle, they chew the cud. What does that mean? They chew and then they swallow and then they regurgitate it and they chew it, that same wad of food, they chew it again and they get something different the second time. And, and you know what they do, Linda? They swallow it again and, and then it goes down in one of the other stomach and then you know what they do? They regurgitate that same wad. It's called a cud. Camels will do this seven or eight times while that's being digested, chewing it over and over. That's the Hebrew word for meditate repetition, 
Chew the cud of God's Word. Chew the cud of who Christ is. Chew the cud of various principles of Scripture and values of Jesus and your life with Him, your inner life with Him that we read from the book of Colossians. So we don't get stuck in form. We don't get caught in a rut of ritual. But at the same time, we want to bring in the principles of the Word of God regarding chewing the cud and repeatedly rehearsing who we are in Jesus Christ. I love what Brian McLaren has said. Quote, followers didn't think themselves into a new way of living in the New Testament. They lived their way into a new way of thinking. Didn't get that the first time around? Let's consider it. The early followers of Jesus They didn't think themselves into a new way of living. They lived their way into a new way of thinking. That's why it's so important to be part of a church. Thank you for returning to church this morning. Thank you for following the voice of the Holy Spirit that urged you after 18 months, I need some fellowship, all right? What I receive by live stream and what I get on my device is great and we've just been through two years of a a global pandemic that people are still getting very sick from. Hence many of, you know, our own team here that are out today because of it. We take it seriously. But listen, dear ones, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. We need each other We need each other's hugs and kindnesses. We need each other's love and looks. And we need to repetitiously worship communally, acknowledging the goodness of God, as we did in that song, the goodness of God. Love that song. I believe I saw somebody crying at the end of it. So today, I'm talking about opportunities of life-giving prayer that I personally, until the last couple of years, would have never considered. And I certainly would have never put it in a sermon and invited you to participate. If you're writing, and I can send this to you if you'll text me or email me and let me know that you'd like it. Let me give you a dozen different prayers, liturgical types of prayers that you can pull up. They are standard, they're on the internet. They are practiced by Christians globally and many of them are the standards. You've prayed them before, maybe in church previously. Especially if you came from a denominational setting before you became non-denominational. The first one, the open address, creator, God of Abraham, God of Jesus. If you'll just Google that, you'll find that there's a liturgical prayer that begins every time with that way. The opening address, creator, God of Abraham, God of Jesus. Here's the second one, the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed, N-I-C-E-N-E. Number three, the Jesus Prayer. This is the fourth century desert fathers really practice this. 
Number four, the prayer of confession. Number five, the psalm of the day. You know what the psalms are? They're, they're a cradle for Christian thought. I love what Brian Zahn says here. It, it's a cradle to mature us in Christ, the psalms. They're, they're not meant to express what we feel, but for us to learn to feel what they express. You become whole by learning to express not only your faith, but your doubt. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. It is not a lack of faith to doubt. Certainty is the opposite of faith. Certainty is what so many people have. I know I was steeped in certainty, triumphalism, Bless God, the word says it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, bless God, the word might not say it the way you think it says it. And it's just good to humble yourself and not be quite so certain. And these prayers help us do that. Number seven, Song of Simeon. It's called the Song of Simeon. You can write it down, the Song of Simeon. I'll send these to you if you text me. Book of Common Prayer, I mean, it goes without saying, across religions, across denominations, the book of common prayer, the song of Mary, along with the song of Simeon, okay? Both of them, you find them in the New Testament, the song that Simeon prayed and the song that Mary prayed. The two evening prayers, the two evening prayers, as they're called, from the book of common prayer are, are particularly wonderful. And then there's a set of prayers called the Trecyon, the Trecyon prayers, Trecyon. Now, we mentioned to you at the beginning of service that we were going to celebrate uh, communion and we're going to do that here. We're going to be bringing it to you now. And those of you at home, if you would, watching by live stream, please get your elements and let's get ready to receive communion together. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to recite the Tresian prayer. While we recite it, we're going to receive communion. So there at home, get your communion elements ready, and we're going to together, collectively, follow the liturgy of the Tresian prayer. And while we do, we will receive communion. Now, the prayer, so that you can see it and pray it, will take over the entire screen, and you will not be able to see us on camera, all right? And uh, there are a couple of slides because there's a little bit of length to it, but we're going to pray that as we close our service here. As we pray uh, today, we're also going to be <clears throat> remembering in prayer um, the prayer requests we've been receiving, some are brand new, some are a couple of weeks old, but people still need prayer. So I'm just going to name these out. Um, the first one does remind me, with this being the beginning of the holidays here with Thanksgiving, there are families who have lost loved ones that the holidays are going to affect. So we lift up those families, wow. including Gwen, who lost her daughter to COVID in just in August. Wow. For Eli, a three-year-old having seizures, waiting for an appointment with Children's Hospital. Rob, brain surgery recovery. Karen, open heart surgery recovery. Mm -hmm. Taylin, who is dealing with a heart valve issue. Jeff, edema and blood pressure. 
Linda and Michelle for their lungs to continue to heal after COVID. Karen and Michelle, who have been grieving over numerous deaths from the many from the last months. Mm. For Bob and Debbie and Carol and Lewis and Lisa, and we want to uh, for COVID, and we want to include Matt staying whole and healthy. John, who's going through cancer treatments. We have Uncle Bill, who's had kidney problems. Um, Larissa, who has a gunshot wound she's healing from. For Cheryl's Uncle Bill, blood clots in his bladder. Uh, for Pam's aunt, who's been hospitalized with COVID mm -hmm. uh, on top of the heart disease she already has. We reach out to all of you, and you could add to that list many. Thanksgiving will be especially difficult this year for many of you because of lost loved ones and friends and family members. We respect that. And uh, I believe as we pray the Tresian prayer here that we're about to pray as we take communion, you're going to sense the life and the hope um, that you need in this, this time, in this hour. Well, let's begin praying the prayer. So we'll have the first slide of it. And everybody together. Glory, glory to, to thee, O God. God. Glory, glory to, to thee. O heavenly King, Comforter, and Spirit of Truth, who art everywhere present and fillest all things, treasury of good things and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O good one. May I ask you at this point, it becomes evident or aware to me that oftentimes one of the problems I know I've encountered when I'm praying liturgy or prayers that are provided for me is then you treat them like you're reading a letter. You just... And, and the purpose isn't to get through it. It's to pray it with meaning and pauses and to think and again to be formed by it. So... We're not going to rush, all right? Before we take the bread, we're going to continue then with holy God, holy, holy mighty, holy, holy immortal, immortal, have mercy, mercy on us. us. Holy, holy God, God, holy mighty, holy, holy immortal, have, have mercy, mercy on us. us. Holy, holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. And so Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Let's all together, those in the live stream if you would now, let's take the bread. We're going to continue reading through the, and praying the Tresion prayer. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, both now and forever, and unto ages and ages. Amen. All Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. Thank you, Lord, you've cleansed us from our sins. Master, you've pardoned our iniquities. Holy One, visit and heal our infirmities for thy name's sake. Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord, have, have mercy. mercy. Lord, Lord, have, have mercy. mercy. So after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup 
is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, you do this in remembrance of me. Right now, I am being formed together with you as a community. We are experiencing the supernatural grace, healing, peace, and love of Jesus Christ. And we talk about being the body, but what do we do that really makes that real? Communion is one of those things. Praying liturgical prayers is one of those things. Let's take the blood of the Lord as his body. Wow. Thank you for your presence, Lord. We're going to continue now and close the Tresian prayer, which actually ends after the next line with the uh, Lord's prayer. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, both now and forever, and unto ages and ages. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Ooh, I just... I thank God for his light. I thank him for his patience with us that we can grow and not be mean and unkind and just dismiss people because of a difference in their practice or their style. Or, and God's helped us a lot to embrace what formerly we would have made fun of even. And I'm so thankful. And I, I hope you are finding this series on unprayer helpful. Go back over and, and rehearse it. Nina has a couple of announcements that she wants to share with you at this point, and uh, then we'll, we'll close our, our service. Um, we want to remind you that there, if you have giving this morning, we do have a basket in the back if you're here in the service where you can leave tithes and offerings, donations. If you're online, of course, you can go to our website where at, uh, there's a place to just click donate or you can text to give at 720-730-8510. We thank you for all of your faithful tithes and offerings that allow us to continue the ministry at Genesis. Hey, we're very excited. Just a few weeks from now, uh, Rachel Washington's going to be back with us, our former worship leader. For those of us who have known her as a worship leader, we are in love with Rachel, but she's powerful and dynamic. Invite your friends. She's doing a Christmas worship conference, con concert, not conference, concert night with us. Friday, December 17th, right here at St. John's. And so invite friends, plan to come out. The concert begins at 7, and it's really great music. It'll be a great atmosphere. Last year she was here doing a Christmas concert. Everyone that was here were really thrilled, and uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful evening. So we hope you'll make plans to come out for that. Um, honey, I think that's all the announcements we have. Is there anything else?
I can say goodbye. Well, Father God, we just end this morning. I thank you for uh, your presence with us at every moment of every day, that there is no place and no time that we are not in your presence. <laughs> and we love you, and I give you thanks for these people who are with us today. I call them blessed, call their week blessed, and that they would have a blessed and comfortable with family Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. See you all next week. Happy Thanksgiving. See you all. Happy Thanksgiving.